This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. I have a memory of coming here when I was much younger. And it's a very visceral memory of coming in from outside this charred feeling of upset. And I would come in to the building And much of today, I felt myself wrenched. Shaken by the events, breaking in the news, And I came here and I felt that quieting. A little bit of attachment to my churn, which feels justified. Once again, we find ourselves in the midst of this story of our ancient twisted karma, in the midst of the story of greed, hatred, and delusion. These aren't just words that we say. many ways that harm, violence is acted, enacted in our world. It's the story of division, the story that we've been studying in this poem, the story of illusion, of separation, Story divisiveness of me and you and us and them. The story of creating an other that we then feel justified in doing harm. Horrible, terrible, violent harm. And our practice, this practice of discovering the great mind of faith,
It's our effort to stop the war here. Today is the two-year anniversary of the murder of Mr. George Floyd, Jr. It reminds us to feel the preciousness of each In just the short time that I have been here, coming here, engaging in this intensive, there have been five incidents of gun violence here in the US, which is just a slice of the violence across the globe. long time ago, the Zen poet Ryokan responded this way. He said, oh, oh, that my robes were wide enough to gather up all the suffering people, all the suffering beings in this floating world. That was a long time ago, and yet the sentiment remains true today. Oh, that our robes are wide enough to gather up all the suffering beings in this luminous, aching. hear again and again some version of the question, what should I do? Some of you may have seen that clip of the senator who walked onto the Senate floor and said, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because what they're doing is nothing. They're doing is refusing to pass legislation that would just require a safety check, which is um, firearms. There's something really important for us when we ask the question, what should I do? Because we can engage from a place 
that is the same, that brings that same mind of divisiveness to our actions. And it's not that there's nothing to do. There are many, many things we can do. We can vote. We can pray. We can weep. We can march. We can speak up. But at the heart of our vow, of our Bodhisattva vow, is the promise it's the promise not to turn away. We vow to turn toward, to allow the pain of the world to touch us. I think Bodhi Sattva, Bodhi wise, awake, awakening Sattva is a being, a sentient being. Bodhi Sattva is a wise, feeling being. I think that before we act, or at least concurrent with our activity, with our engagement, we have to let ourselves feel. You can hear the sensitivity, the sentience in real Khan's words. This deep wish to help, even if we're not sure how. The vow, the Bodhisattva vow, doesn't come because we're nice people. It doesn't come because we're better than other people. It comes from this deep understanding of our connectedness. 
from the deep understanding that I cannot wake up and be free while others suffer. allowing ourselves to feel the heart ache, to feel the heart break. Because when anyone suffers, we understand them as kin, as family. So our practice is here to help us not go numb, not walk away. Not to normalize something completely not normal. I have a theory. I don't know that it's anywhere in any Buddhist teaching, but it comes from years sitting with my own suffering and sitting with the suffering of others. And the theory is that each of us has quite an array of strategies to avoid feeling something. That's something maybe different for each of us. It is in the turning to face, to feel that suffering that we soften that we find a place that connects, that we discover our true kinship with others. And there's this strange phenomenon that when we really allow ourselves to feel the pain, to feel the heartache, the outrage, the sadness, the grief, we discover that there's something under all of that, which is love. That there's a reason we are upset, and that reason is because we care. Like many white people, it took me a long time to turn toward the truth of kind of collective racism oppression. I didn't think I needed to turn toward it.
in some ways it was not so hard for me to look away. And it wasn't until I allowed myself to sit in a cauldron of other people who I had come to care deeply for and to hear their stories to allow the statistics I read in the paper to become someone's brother or father or child that I could allow my heart to break open. It can feel to us too much. It's too much. It's not just them. Nineteen children who were murdered today, and their teachers, and the extraordinary, excruciating pain of their families and their loved ones. It's not just the ten elderly African American people who were gunned down while they were shopping. because someone believed his views. Someone believed this myth of white supremacy enough, he believed it enough that he could take other people out. But everywhere we look, a million deaths from COVID, systems that perpetuate power over and racism and oppression and that keep the cycles of poverty and hunger alive. All of this is ours. And it is too much for any one of us. Pain of illness, violence, war, wars across multiple continents. It's too much for any one of us alone to hold, but we hold together. We allow ourselves to feel the pain because beneath that there is love. 
because we need that we feel our deep connectedness. Oscar Wilde said, where there is sorrow, there is holy ground. So there are some dimensions of this kind of difficulty that I think are require something more than words. So I want to offer us all kind of ritual, a ceremony, very much in the spirit of Zazen as a ceremony. We sit in the midst of something impossible, a human life. And as we sit in this ritual, we close the gap. We heal the wound of that separation. Ceremony allows us to enter territory that our language can only point to. And so I invite you to participate, not with words, but with your hearted engagement, with your full attention, with your heart. So inviting us each to fully take our seat wherever you are, here in the hall, wherever you may be seated, those of you zooming in from home. And beginning by calling on, calling in our ancestors. our dharmic lineage, our karmic lineage, any of those beings who have walked the path, asking them to join us, feeling them hovering here, Buddha, Mahajapati, Bodhidharma, Kimba, 
And bringing in this practice of the cultivation of metta, of the boundless heart. This is the sutta that's chanted here at the temple. And it is a practice that was offered by the Buddha to his frightened monks. It is this practice of full and loving heart that we are offered in the face of difficulty, in the face of fear, of overwhelm, of distress. So beginning by breathing, in and out of the heart, bringing this quality of kindness, care, and compassion to whatever is here, or maybe true in your heart, maybe sadness, maybe annoyance. Maybe relief. Breathing in and out, practicing being with, being with. Opening, receiving, allowing whatever's here to be here and to be received, known, not fast, not rejecting. And then breathing in on the next inhalation, filling yourself, breathing in through the heart, letting the body be filled with your own care and kindness towards yourself. Whatever difficulties, body and heart and mind you may be facing, in many ways, that the pain of the world may be resonating in you as you 
Breathing in. Kindness and care. Knowing that you too deserve compassion. And as you breathe out, extending, sharing, you saying, carrying love wishes, this kindness and compassion with all of the others in the room here, in the Buddha Hall, those for you at home, wherever you are, extending out this capacity of the heart that cares. Extending your well wishes, your kindness outside the room to your friends, your family, your loved ones. Breathing in and out through the heart. Receiving and extending kindness. Imagining that all of our collective care and volition move out like a giant, gentle wave, wider and wider circles, touching many, many beings. Loved ones of those whose lives are taken by COVID, ones suffering from the war, wars in Ethiopia, in Cameroon, in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Ukraine. From the many lives upturned and species dying from climate change. Sending this wave of kindness in all directions. As we sit together, 
this seed of grief and kindness. The names of the people who have been killed in this last stretch of time and ask you to take on this practice. Yoshi Bernie Glassman talked about Zazen sitting in our seat as a practice of bearing witness. And just as we come to bear witness to our own suffering. We sit and bear witness to the suffering of others. And just to say that, of course, I will name a handful of names, but there are many, many others. No matter how many I say, there are always more. So as you sit, bearing witness to the loss of these lives. Mr. George Floyd Jr., who was 46 when he was murdered, May 25th, 2020, to the victims of the shooter, Peyton Gannon, who killed the shoppers at Topps Supermarket on May 14th, Aaron Salter Jr., age 55. Andre McNeil, age 53. Celestine Cheney, grandmother and great grandmother, age 65. D.M. Hayward Tenney Patterson. 67, Geraldine Taney, known and loved for her famous cheesecake, who was 62, Catherine Massey, lifelong advocate for gun control, who died at 72. Marcus D. Morrison, 52. Earl Young, 
Randy's pantry for 25 years in her community. 77. Roberta Jury. 32. And Ruth Whitfield. Was eighty six. Just a day later in Southern California, May fifteenth, Doctor David Chang, fifty three. Married father of two, heroically disarmed shooter, the Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church. Preventing others in the church were injured but didn't die. And 19 children and their teachers at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Eva Morales, who was the fourth grade teacher, age 24, and her co-teacher, Irma Garcia, age 26. Both women have devoted their lives to education. And the third and fourth graders. The 19 names we know so far. Lexi Ania Rubio, whose age is unknown. Alifa Ramirez, age 10. Emily Jo Garza. Guadalupe Rodriguez. Eliana Cruz Torres. Ellie Lugo. Jaela Nicole Singuero. 
JC, Carmelo, Levance, Jose, Flores, Junior, Paul, H10, Maite, Juliana, Agent Ron, Makina Elrod, Ten, Miranda, Mathis, Agent Eleven, Nevaeh, Bravo. Virgilio Torres. Yes. Marie Mata. Luzia Garcia. H8. And Javier Lopez. Each name represents a whole world. Each person is unique. And each name represents hundreds of others. And so inviting you to speak or say silently to yourself names of your own loved ones, friends, family who have died, including them in this field of illness and care, this bearing witness. This refusal to turn away.
that our robes could be wide enough to gather up all of the suffering beings in this wide, aching world. May our vow, our vow to be willing to turn toward, to bear witness, to sit in the midst of our excruciating discomfort, and to do this together. Know that we can hold what's too much to bear too much for any one of us to hold as Sonia. Pay our care, our attention, support the end of divisiveness and hate. And may we all allow ourselves to be bathed in this ocean of love. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered at no cost, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.